You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Off our Lent, uh, I just want to say welcome to the jungle. Or desert, or wilderness, however you may see this uh, in your mind. So I'm going to reread just one verse from our gospel text. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. This statement has left me confounded and comforted and terrified since I first encountered it. It has the overtone of a mom rushing kids out of the kitchen, a dad trying to walk through toys and chaos to get to the pantry with an armload of groceries. Maybe you guys didn't have parents that kicked you out of the house when you were underfoot. Um, That's nice for you. Um, Not bitter. Uh, But this driving out has always left me thinking, huh, well, that's not necessarily the picture of the Holy Spirit that I've had. I consider myself to be a relatively brave, relatively confident human. After all, glossophobia, the fear of public speaking, still ranks as the number one phobia in America. It beats out snakes and spiders, fear of heights. It even beats out the fear of death. So here I make a living. Um, I get the honor of public speaking every Sunday. uh, And usually I don't feel like I have to throw up before. So maybe it's just the big, big Enneagram 8 energy in my life. Uh, But not much gets to me. And I am wildly and impractically committed to the idea that I could take them, whoever them may be in this scenario. But unfortunately, that does not mean that I am impervious to the odd irrational fear. When Jeremy and I were dating, he planned the super sweetest surprise for me one night. He packed a a late night picnic at the top of a stack of hay bales in an alfalfa field. Not like wildly romantic. All we had to do was cross the field, climb the bales, and enjoy. I grew up on seven acres. I regularly climbed hay bales, just kind of an odd flex. Um, (laughs) We had coyotes and sometimes cougars in our pasture. I saw all manners of critters, like on the reg, Um, snakes and spiders, you name it, they were there. But staring... (sighs) at the ocean of black that I would have to traverse to get to said super sweet surprise, I absolutely lost it. Like instant tears, super panic, apologizing profusely to my very confused then boyfriend. I realized that we had accidentally tripped over one of my no-goes. I don't do ticks, I don't do gators, And I don't do bodies of water, and apparently fields, where I cannot see the bottom. Needless to say, we ate in my car. (laughs) And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Speaks to me in two different ways. It wakes up my adventurous nature, and I can't help but thinking, I can't help myself from thinking, gosh, I wonder how many ticks and gators 
and muddy, murky lakes are out there in that wilderness. So today, as Jamie said, is the first Sunday of Lent, a time where we intentionally engage in practices that prepare us to celebrate the resurrection of Christ on Easter. It is an invitation to more fully consider our purpose. Why are we here? What is this life for? What difference does Jesus make in the light of those questions? And our gospel text offers us another catalog of questions. Did the spirit really drive, like aggressively drive Jesus to the wilderness? What roles do consent and obedience play in Jesus's 40 days of temptation? What are the implications for our lives in light of those answers? And probably the scariest question, is there a wilderness awaiting us? So to my first question, did the Holy Spirit beat up Jesus, steal his lunch money, and send him out into the wilderness? How much force was there really? Well, I don't know. Uh, So I went to people who might. I went straight to the source, to the OG. Uh, I went to the Greek. How very Bible scholar of me. (laughs) And I thought that we had a breakthrough. Turns out, no. No, we did not, friends. I popped into my handy-dandy Greek lexicon and read that the form of the Greek verb ekbalo that is used in Mark 1.12 is best defined, quote, to cause, to go, or remove from a position, ready for this, in parentheses, without force, okay, send out, slash away, release, and bring out. Okay, problem solved, right? Answers are given, This was like a suggestion by the Holy Spirit. (sighs) Then there was this little note, this pesky little note that says, again, in parentheses, but see definition one above. Well, definition one says this, force to leave, drive out, expel. So some examples of where definition one is utilized in scripture is when Jesus cleared out the temple with whips, uh, when Jesus cast out evil spirits, or when someone is excommunicated. So like pretty chill. Did the spirit invite or did the spirit command? Unsatisfied with the ambiguity, I dove into my trusty commentaries and guess what? Interesting read, okay, fine, but zero certainty was afforded to me. And I usually love an open interpretation. Your girl is here for ambiguity always. But this was driving me up the wall. I went down a rabbit hole that was so unsatisfying that I actually felt physically angry about it. And that was like a key moment for me, right? When I realized I should probably self-reflect to figure out why I was getting so mad about one word. And I realized, okay, maybe I should move out of the space of intellectualizing and into a space of vulnerability. I needed to consider the nature and the character of God and how the spirit has worked in my life and in the lives of those I love. So I went back to the text I considered the words of David in Psalm 25, the words that we read together, good, 
and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his way. He leads the humble in what is right, teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. Multiple paths defined by love. So next, I considered the order of events in our New Testament readings and their significance. First, Jesus was baptized. Second, the Spirit descended on him. Third, a voice from heaven spoke. Baptism, Spirit, divine voice. Then, fourth, into the wilderness. God is good and upright. God is a teacher. God's paths are steadfast love and faithfulness. And it is from that place that God gives us what we need for the wilderness. I realize that my need to answer the question of invitational or coercive comes from a fear that God will send me somewhere I don't want to go. Like, I like camping, but I prefer glamping. <clears throat> I like hiking with a wide path and not a ton of hills. I'm outdoorsy, like I like to have my coffee outside. Please, God, don't make me do something I don't want to do. <laughs> Please don't send me into the wilderness underprepared or ill-equipped. But that's not what's happening here. Because Jesus didn't go into the desert alone. He didn't endure his test alone. The Spirit had already descended on him. Jesus didn't go into the desert unsure of who he was or what he was capable of. He had the words that divine love had spoken over him for everyone to hear. The wilderness exists. It's out there and it is unavoidable. We don't get a free pass no matter who we are or what we do. I mean, Jesus didn't get a free pass. But isn't there a promise in there for us? Is that part of our purpose? There is something waiting for us in the wilderness as there was something waiting for Jesus in the wilderness. There are parts of this world, parts of our own inner worlds that we avoid. We'll call those our personal deserts. And what do we do with the fact that they exist? That they exist and we don't want anything to do with them. Maybe the Spirit's inviting you to start or join a ministry here or in the community, and you just can't seem to get yourself to say yes. Maybe you have that sick feeling in your stomach when you hear someone close to you being racist or homophobic but you just can't seem to muster the words to tell them to stop. Maybe you know you need to go to counseling, but the stigma of being in therapy keeps you from making that call. Maybe you have stripped your faith down to its bones, and for a long time that felt like wilderness, but you've built yourself a nice little shelter, and you've hunkered down, and now it seems scarier to leave. There are a million places that the Spirit may take us, and there are a million things 
that might be really hard. There are a million different wildernesses that are outside of our control. And some of them will leave us feeling empty and angry and hollow. I have walked through a handful of those kind of wildernesses. And had they turned out another way, I don't think I would be able to stand before you or anyone else and offer even the smallest measure of faith. There have been crucial moments in my life where I thought, if this doesn't go the way I need it to, I am out and I cannot find a way back in. And also, those experiences have taught me how to do some much needed reframing, some reprioritizing, and most importantly, some reimagining. So I don't believe the Spirit chased Jesus out into the wilderness like a helpless, docile victim. I believe that Jesus chose the wilderness in communication and partnership with the Spirit, thereby setting an example that the life lived following Jesus is meant for the wild at heart. It's meant for those who are a part of the resistance, for the unconventional who will go where others refuse to go and care for and serve and love the world in a way that others won't. We are, sounds silly to even say it, an affirming church with a female lead pastor in central Texas. We are, a, uh, we are an affirming, inclusive church with a female lead pastor in Waco, Texas. Friends, we have to face the deserts in our lives. We have something that we have to be responsible with. I gleefully invite us to welcome those things in, to look at the deserts that we have not been willing to look at before so that we can offer safe passage to those who are preparing to face their own wilderness on their own. We found each other. That's significant. Not everyone can say that. We have the companionship of the Spirit in our lives, and we have the voice of divine love speaking belonging and acceptance over each and every one of us. We are ready. We're ready to venture out into the next 40 days with courage and hope and anticipation because we love and serve a Savior who went first so that we could see how to go next. We can both sink into the knowledge that the wildernesses of this life are inevitable and the Spirit's leading and presence is immutable. The Spirit is inviting us into new and formative spaces that challenge us to live beyond ourselves and to see our faith for what it was always intended to be, something bright and beautiful and sustainable. Mike Iaconelli, theologian, author, and general smart aleck, wrote this in his book, Dangerous Wonder. What happened to radical Christianity? The unnice brand of Christianity that turned the world upside down. 
what happened to the category-smashing, life-threatening, anti-institutional gospel that spread through the first century like wildfire and was considered, in parentheses, by those in power, dangerous. What happened to the kind of Christians whose hearts were on fire, who had no fear, who spoke the truth no matter what the consequence, who made the world uncomfortable, who were willing to follow Jesus wherever he went? What happened to the kind of Christians who were filled with passion and gratitude and who every day were unable to get over the grace of God? I'm ready for Christianity that ruins my life that captures my heart and makes me uncomfortable. I want to be filled with an astonishment that is so captivating. I'm considered wild and unpredictable and, well, dangerous. Yes, I want to be dangerous to a dull and boring religion. I want a faith that is considered dangerous by our predictable and monotonous culture. And I want that too. UBC, let's find our wild and unpredictable and dangerous faith. Let's live for the growth. Seek out the healing. And together, let's wander the wilderness until we find the one who invited us there in the first place. We have the opportunity to sit and practice together, uh, silence, communal listening, Uh, I usually don't give any instruction for this time, um, but I would really just ask that you listen, try to quiet your mind and still your bodies, allow the spirit to say something new, correct anything I may have said incorrectly, and do that together.